Did God hate us before we came to faith in Jesus Christ? Is Genesis 1 through 11 literal history or is it mythology? And do we as Christians have to keep the Ten Commandments today? The answers to these questions and others when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible podcast to help encourage your time in the Word. Tell all your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Who is actually here. I am. With a baby. Uh Uh-huh, he is. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how quiet he's going to be here. Yeah, we'll see. How many interruptions? Well, you were greatly missed. Oh, I missed it At the G3 conference. I wish I was there. Pretty much four out of every five people that came up to the table asked, did Becky come? Aw. Is the baby here? (laughs) I didn't make it. Did the whole family arrive? Yeah. We wish it would have worked, but there was no way. Yeah. It wasn't happening. (laughs) And once I was there and how busy I was, it Mm. was like, boy, this whole family thing would not have worked. Yeah. And that's that's what I kept mulling over the whole time is like, am I going to be able to handle that busy? Yeah. And there would have been no way. Yeah, Becky was still, like, texting me even on, let's see, Thursday, Wednesday you were, I think Thursday you'd pretty much ruled it out, but Wednesday you were saying, so we could drive all day Thursday, mm-hmm. we'll be there all day Friday, Friday. Mm-hmm. and then drive back on Saturday. Right, could have uh, done it. I had to convince you that your eyes I were bigger than your stomach really, on that one. <laughs> I, I, t- I knew that I would be completely exhausted for the next week, at least, <laughs> yeah. but I could have done it. Yeah. So I was I was willing if you wanted us there that badly, but it it just it wouldn't have worked out well. Oh, I would have wanted you there, but yeah, it was quite busy. Uh, yeah, that, some busy yeah. times. It's all right next year. Well, two years. <laughs> two years. See, that's the other <laughs> bummer about wait. right. I gotta wait. You won't get to go back to G three again for another two years. Yeah, we got to figure something out. And we missed the tickets for the Ark Encounter. Yes, we did. The, the what was that? Truth matters. Truth matters at the Ark Encounter. Yeah, we missed yep. those tickets because they sold out in twenty four minutes. Everybody missed those tickets. <laughs> if you were a little s- slow on the, uh, if your internet was running slow, or if your clicking was slow. <laughs> yeah, that was how that went. So, what else do we have coming up? Well, we're going to go visit my folks. Fo- so, we're going back to Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to go slower trip. Visit my parents. Yes, much slower pace. This time, a much slower trip. <laughs> Uh, that that was a rough trip for me anyway. Yeah, I would. I lost so much stuff on that trip that yes. if you came, I would have thought I lost my family too. <laughs> this is true. Where did my wife and kids go? <laughs> I don't have any idea. Yeah, I forgot yeah. my laptop. Yep. On the way down at, there. At home, thankfully. At home, yes. Not on the plane. Yes. Not at a rest stop or something like that. Right. It just I it left it at, at home. home. But yes. it's the first time I've ever done that. I know. I was shocked. I've I was like, never you meant to leave this, right? You've meant to do that. I thought you were kidding. No, like, I wasn't. I had, and I thought that you left it on purpose. And I'm like, I'm calling just to make sure that I'm not going to like assume. I had pulled over into a Best Buy because I was going to get a little TV mm-hmm. to run the videos. And uh, I had to get the videos off the computer onto a flash drive. And they would plug the flash drive into the TV. And then it would run the, run the videos. Right. And I had called you about something unrelated yeah, it was. Oh, um, I think I was just telling you I was there. Yeah, that I had stopped in Alabama at a at, at a, a Best, Best Buy. Buy. Yeah, and then you said, "Did you mean to leave your laptop here?" Yeah, and I immediately turned to the back seat because I'm like, "No, she's joking. <laughs> she's trying to pull one on me." Yeah, no, I'm not that good. <laughs> I really left my laptop in Texas. I left my laptop in Texas. That doesn't work as well. No. Uh, so then I thought, well, I need a new one anyway. I've had this laptop for over five years. And we had been talking about it for a couple of months now, at least. Well, I have it in the budget, in the church budget yeah. for me to get a new computer anyway. And so I thought, well, this, this is the time I've held on to this one for long enough. I'm trying to like drive it all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to get a new computer. Two Best Buys, no computers, mm. no laptops. They all told me you have to order in advance and yeah. have it shipped to the store. I said, it doesn't do me any good. I'm on the road right now. Right. But it's because of like certain computer chip shortages and things like that. Because of all those ships that are out in the harbor that can't find a place to dock. Oh, no. 
Is that still an issue? And and the labor shortage. I mean, there's a number of things going on <clears throat> right now, all thanks to ridiculous Democrat policies and how they're handling the COVID panic. Yeah. You can't just go get a laptop anymore. And there's some computers out there, but not computers I wanted to buy, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, because of these things, you can't just can't just go in a store and buy the stuff you want like you used to. You might have to special order it. So anyway, you weren't going to be in one place long enough to actually have it come in. Yeah, that wasn't going to work. Useful. So I put something online that I had forgotten my laptop, and a great guy named Todd Ashby from there in Georgia saw what I said about leaving my laptop at home, and he said, I've got one, I can bring it to you. Mm. Wasn't going to be the same, because I had already passed on buying the TV. Right. But at least I could have a laptop there rolling the videos. Mm-hmm. So he he dropped it off with me, and, and it was good enough for what I needed it to do. Very, very grateful to Todd. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for, for coming through like that. So I had the laptop sitting there and, and running through videos. It would not have been possible... To have videos running at my booth, if not for Todd. So that thank you, Todd. That was so awesome. Yes. <clears throat> Your text message to me to tell me that that he was doing that for you was just, I was flabbergasted. I was just like, oh, that's wonderful. Yes. So Answer awesome. to prayer. <laughs> yes, it was. But that wasn't the last thing I would leave behind. No. Then I left my Bible. Yeah. Somewhere. No idea where. Could be at the Georgia World Conference Center. It could be at the Omni Hotel sitting somewhere who knows my bible and my planner together now, if anybody ever found it it's a it's a leather bible it's got my name in the front it says mm-hmm. gabriel p hughes because that's what you wrote in there mm-hmm. when you gifted me that bible yeah of any bible i got 20 other bibles on this <laughs> shelf over here but you took your favorite i took my favorite one the one that i would not have wanted to leave anywhere that's the one i left yeah so yeah <sighs> Such is life. <laughs> Hence why it was a good idea. He's you got, didn't come. I would have lost brain. you too. Yes. <laughs> Something. This it, it was terrible. I've never <laughs> made so many mistakes in one trip like I made on that one. It was ridiculous. There was a whole thing with my hotel room. Very grateful to Anthony Mathenia yes. for giving me a place to stay, being able to stay with him. Uh, that was awesome. But uh, yeah. It Another was, answer to prayer. It was. It was just Definitely. one thing after the next. I was... There was at one point, it was at right after I got started, I was 20 minutes on the road, mm-hmm. and my whole dash went out. I didn't tell you about this. No, you didn't. All the needles dropped straight down to zero. Oh, well, that's fun. Now, I've had that happen before, not in this truck, but in another vehicle, and it's just, you know, the car just dies. But the engine was still running. I was still going. It's ah. just the whole dash went out. I was like, what is going on? Oh, it lasted weird. about three or four seconds. And then that's boom, long enough it to make came, you freak out. It was still enough to make me go because <laughs> that's on the interstate. Right, twenty minutes out. Yeah, <laughs> that, at least that's I was not good. At least I was only twenty minutes away, but it was still yeah. That uh, that would have been another one of those things that was like, <laughs> yeah, this trip. Something was trying to keep me away from this trip. Yeah, but it was great being there, and like always, being able to meet everybody that came by the booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing this every other year just isn't enough. Yeah, I. Josh, I'm I'm pointing a finger at you, man. What are you thinking? <laughs> Make it happen. Every other year? No. We gotta have G three every year. I know it's a huge ordeal. I know it's it it's really I'm sure difficult. It takes up a lot of time. Yes. Too. A lot pl- of time and effort. Now, if the the trajectory of things in our government keep going the way that they are, it could have been the last G three. <laughs> true. <laughs> never know. Very true. You never know. But your dad was able to be there. Yes, my dad was with me at the booth. And Sonia. Our good friend yes, Sonia. Yes, Sonia. So if you saw the guy at the booth that looked thirty years, it looked like me with thirty years added on to me, that was my dad. <laughs> Not Sonia. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was my dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, Sonia was working at the booth a little bit too, but I wanted her to see the speakers. That's, yeah. that's, she paid to be there for that, so she needed to go watch, watch people, uh, watch people talk. That's <laughs> Be fed. Not the right. There you go. Be fed. Fed the word. I got to listen to a lot of it, not most of it. I'm going to have to catch the messages online, but Mm -hmm. I did see that uh, Scott Annual posted just a couple of days ago that the uh, G3 messages were gradually going to start to get added on the website. Awesome. And you can catch some of them. So go to g3min.org. Now, even though there's not another G3 conference until 2023. 
we're still doing the G3 expository workshops, mm, and okay. I will be at those. So uh, Tom Buck heading that up, mm-hmm. and I usually have a little small group that I help lead as well. And then there's always another pastor mm-hmm. that's involved. The next one that's coming up is November 18th and 19th at First Baptist Church in Piedmont, Oklahoma. Okay. Mike Riccardi is going to be the special guest speaker. Oh, man. Becky loves Mike Riccardi. I do. <laughs> now I'm jealous. <laughs> Ever since that last Truth Matters we went to. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. He was so like, good. he was the, the speaker on the list you're not really looking at going, oh, I got to make it to Mike Riccardi's session. Right. And then oh, he turns man. out to be like the best one. He is so good. Yeah. It's convicting and well put and just... It's amazing. Yeah. Always amazing to hear him. Love listening to Mike. So I'm looking forward to that G3, um, his thing on online. So yeah, when he gets his it. message yes, online, right. Thank you. Message. Yeah, he was with somebody else. I did not catch the other guy's name that he was walking with, but he and I went into the pre-conference Q&A together on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. Was, we just happened to be walking next to each other and looked over like, oh, hey, Gabe. Hey, Mike. You know, it's a, <laughs> we just kind of strolled in there together. That's awesome. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, he's going to be Sorry, the... Sorry, fanning a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Becky's having a fan moment. <laughs> So he's going to be the guest speaker at the expository workshop, November 18th and 19th, First Baptist Church, Piedmont, Oklahoma. You can go to g3men.com to get the information there. That's or, dot .com? Yeah. Is it dot .com or dot no, .org? it's dot .org. It is dot .org. Okay. Hang on. I can pull this up. g3conference.com. So you can enter that, too, oh, and that okay. also goes to the conference page. Anyway. So, yeah. One way or the other, you get links to go to where you need to go to find the... Uh, just keep clicking. Yeah, registration info for the expository workshops. I, I don't care how long you've been preaching. You might have been a pastor for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. you got to try to go to one of these expository workshops. They're yeah. wonderful. Once you go, then you start coming back. As we've had guys come to these, they've been to like four or five or six of them. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's great. I just hear the feedback after people have been to them. They yes. just love it. The one we did in Atlanta, we went through 2 Timothy. That's actually my third time to do that course. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one that we're going to do in Oklahoma is going to be 2 Corinthians. Oh, cool. So, And when you sign up, by the way, you've got work that you've got to do. You have a pericope or a section of scripture that's given to you, and you basically have to come up with the outline of what your sermon would look like. Mm -hmm. We send you the worksheets and everything, all that you have to follow. You bring that work with you, and then you take us through your work, showing us how you got what you got. And then we go through the text together to help find structure, theme of the text, repeating words, things like that. It's a way of looking at the text in that expository, exegetical way that we should be looking at it. Mm -hmm. And maybe you've thought you've been expository, but then there's actually disciplines to expository teaching that you haven't been exercising. I learn something from it every single time. Tom will say the same thing. Hmm. Tom leads these classes. He's passionate about these classes. And even he will say every time he does this, he learns something else, Hmm. either about the text that we're studying or how to find something within that text. There's always something new to learn, a perspective or a way that he had not considered. There's still always one meaning to the text. Right. But uh, but how we glean that truth from the text, it's like the. Oh, what would you call it? The tools that you need um, or even how to use those tools. One guy at the at the seminar this year put it this way. I went to seminary. They put a hammer in my hand. They put a bunch of nails in the other hand. They said, here's a hammer and here's a bunch of nails. Now go use them for the glory of God. (laughs) But nobody told me what I'm hammering this into, mm-hmm. how I know how to hammer it in, the technique of hammering, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of wood, you know, nothing like that. And so he said, you come to the expository workshops and you're learning things about how to preach that they didn't even tell you in seminary. Hmm. You might even feel like your seminary degree, what did I spend all that money on? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh-huh. Just kidding. But so, uh, yeah, this is totally worth it. You need to come to the expository workshop. And it's just for pastors or Lay elders or... We've had, yeah, we've had pastors, <laughs> elders, Sunday school teachers, mm-hmm. people who want to or they or they think about becoming an elder or a pastor, and they're just not sure if that's what God's calling is for them yet, but they still want to come. They still want to do the work. Now, if, you, if you're a pastor, you're probably going to end up in Tom's group because mm-hmm. he wants to have the pastors around him. Uh, if you are just a, a teacher or somebody that's wanting to learn more about expository teaching or any of these other things, 
you will still be part of one of those groups and you'll still receive like the worksheets to go through and stuff like that. Uh, space is limited, by the way. We have to cut it off, I think, at 90, mm -hmm. 90 or 95, somewhere in there. So there's never more than 100. Uh, the classes are kept small because it's intensive to each and every one of those teachers and pastors that registers. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that, that we're giving individual attention to everybody so everybody's getting the equipment that they need to be able to uh, to do the work that is before them in the in the uh, responsibility that they have to teach God's word. Mm -hmm. So it's it's always going to be a limited group. It's going to be smaller. It's not going to be huge like a G3 conference. It's always going to be small. But we uh, anybody who is who desires to do this and wants to learn more about expository teaching, please sign up. Yeah. Learn more about it online. G3men.org. There, there it is. See, I found the other link. There so you, you go. go to g3conference.com or you go to the letter G, the number three, min.org slash events. There you go. One we've, less click. That's right. We've also got one coming up for uh, ShepCon. Maybe. I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to mention that or not. But there you go. So <laughs> <laughs> there is going to be one in California in 2022. I can tell you that. What, what do they call that? Like an Easter egg? <laughs> it's a, no, it's no, a spoiler. It's a spoiler. Yeah, it's a spoiler, it spoiler alert spoiler is what alert. that is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where are we at? What do we got to do here? While I was at G3, I recorded questions. Mm -hmm. So people came by the booth. I had a little recorder with me. You didn't tell me this. I didn't tell you about the questions? I thought no. I did. No, I don't think so. I swore I told you about Now, I you've mean, not taking, heard any of these. Taking questions is yes. what you said, but I didn't realize you, you did it on the recorder. Well, yeah. So before the conference, I said I would do note cards. Mm, okay, yeah. So if you, uh, ha if you come with a question, you can write it on the note card, drop it in. We would do a giveaway or something like that. No, because I forgot everything, remember? Yes. So there was no note cards. <laughs> there, were there was no box to put those note cards in. There's yeah. nothing like that. I forgot all of that. But I did have the recorder. So I was able to record people asking their questions. And that's what we're doing today. So we're responding to questions, not questions that have been emailed in, but questions that were asked in person at G3. Awesome. On the Friday edition of the broadcast, we respond to questions from the listeners, and you can ordinarily email your questions in mm -hmm. to when we understand the text at gmail.com. I tell you what, let me let me preface it with this here. We are what what uh, Friday? This is the first Friday in October. No, second, because October 1st was a Friday. So this is the second Friday in October. Yes. Means we've got November coming up. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to give away some Christmas books yes, for you to have during Advent. So we need to give those away in November to make sure that you're going to get them in time to be able to use them during Advent. Right. So when you email a question, include your name and address, your mailing address. Because if we read your question on the air, we will send uh, a Christmas book to you. In time. In time. In time for, for you to be... Yeah. For December. I'll probably have to just limit that to one Friday. Maybe it'll be at the beginning of November okay. so we can be sure to get them all in. Sure. But include your name and address because if... Oh, yeah, because the, the USPS is, is slowing down. Yeah, they are. They even sent something out just recently. Yeah. Talking, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking Not about. Not three-day yeah. delivery anymore. It's five-day delivery. Yep. Which, which means... Is, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, we're just used to, here you go. You, right? know, you, you ordered it this morning, and here you are the there afternoon. There it is. <laughs> Ding dong. Got my stuff. Uh, yeah, so the mail is slowing down. Yes. But to make sure that you're going to get the book in time, we'll probably, it might be the first Friday in November. I'll just go ahead and put that out there right now. So the All first right. Friday in November, every question that we read on that episode of the Q&A, you will get a free Christmas book for advent sweet so send your questions in include your name and address if we read your question on the air on the podcast yeah my radio past <laughs> when we understand the text at gmail.com and you'll get a christmas book it might be uh the sinclair ferguson book oh that one's pretty awesome or my 25 christmas Miz and what the bible says maybe i'll just give away both of them that was pretty awesome too all right so here we go here's the first question that we have recorded at g3 okay this is Kevin from Virginia. My question for Gabe and Becky would be, in light of Psalm 5 and Psalm 11, where we learn that God hates all evildoers, being that I was an evildoer prior to my conversion to Christ, did God hate me before he saved me? 
Becky knows Kevin. I do. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Great question, Kevin. The answer is yes and no. I was going to say. Yeah. Let's let's go to Psalm 5. So he mentioned Psalm 5 and Psalm 7. Let me stick with Psalm 5 here. Psalm 5, beginning in verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. So where does David get his righteousness from? He gets it from God. Mm-hmm. So apart from God's righteousness, we're all wicked and we would all perish just like the evildoers that David is talking about here. So before we come to Christ, does God hate us? Yes, he does. For as it says in Habakkuk one thirteen, God's eyes are so holy, he cannot even look upon sin. But he clothes us in the righteousness of Christ, and it's then that we are accepted into his presence. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 20 verses down, John 3.36, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So God's wrath is upon all who do wickedly before, even before they come into the righteousness of Christ. You remember uh, Ephesians chapter two, which says you were dead in your sins and your trespasses in which you once walked Mm -hmm. following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of disobedience that is at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Mm-hmm. So we were not set apart from the rest of mankind when we were walking in wickedness and not in Christ. Right. And then that goes on to say, but God. Yes. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us did not leave us dead in our sins, but made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So his love and his affection were on us, having passed over former sins, the way that it puts it in the book of Romans. So he looks past our wretched state Mm -hmm. to who he is going to make us in Christ Jesus. Because he's not on a timeline. Right. Yeah. He's not looking at things... The way that we, you know, live in our finite time and space in which we exist. And that's part of God's grace. Yes. That he looks past our present state to who he has predestined us to be in Christ. Mm -hmm. And because of that love and affection he placed on us before the ages began, when we read in the scriptures that he foreknew us, that foreknowing means that he placed his affections on us even before we were born. Mm -hmm. And because God has done that. It is in his love he then makes atonement for us by giving his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Mm -hmm. You consider Romans 2, uh, where it says uh, in verse 4, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So, yes, he has anger toward us in our sin and in our wretchedness before we come to Christ. But he's merciful and gracious and does not destroy us while we're in that state. But at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, as it says in Romans. Mm -hmm. And at the right time, the gospel came to me and his Holy Spirit changed my heart to hear it and believe it and so be saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I dwell not under his wrath, but in his love Mm -hmm. as an adopted son or daughter of God. I also look at the story of Jacob and Esau when they were born, because Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Right. And then that was that was from 
birth. Yes. So that's before Jacob was saved, or was he saved when he was born? Yeah, you're, you're talking about foreknowledge there, even. Exactly. What God had predestined for Jacob and had not predestined for Esau. Right. Yeah. And the shocking statement there is not Esau I hated. Mm-hmm. That's what we think about whenever we realize, oh, how right. can God hate anybody? Love is a good thing. Yeah, God is love. He would never ha- hate anybody. Of course, God hated Esau because Esau was wicked. Mm-hmm. But so was Jacob. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there wasn't anything about Jacob that was particularly special. In fact, we go on to read right. the story of Jacob that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> he makes some awful choices. He did. I'm like, I don't understand. Why is he doing this? And he's still loved. And we left Esau behind. And for a while there, while we're reading Jacob, you're going, um, so where did that Esau guy go? He looks a little bit better than Jacob yeah. does now at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the shocking statement there is, Jacob, I loved. Yeah. Because none of us are deserving of the love of God, which is exactly why we say it's by his grace. Mm. We don't deserve it. We don't do anything to earn it. Mm -hmm. It is God in his character showing his grace and his mercy upon us that he gave his son to die for our sins so that whoever believes in him, we no longer dwell as enemies of God, but now we are fellow heirs with Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's the answer to your question, Kevin, and it was a good one. happy birthday, belated birthday to Lynette. Yes. Passing on uh, birthday wishes to your bride. Yes. Let's go to our next question here. Uh, Matt from Alpharetta, Georgia. And my question is, William Lane Craig recently denounced uh, the historical Adam. What do you have to say about that? Remind me what the historical Adam is. (laughs) Adam in the Bible. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he denounced Adam? Yeah, he, he doesn't believe that Adam is a real person in the Bible. Oh, okay. So it's just a myth. Not that God created this man he named Adam, and he was the first man. Okay. And then from Adam took a rib and fashioned a woman, Eve, who is the first woman. So you have the historic Adam and Eve. Okay. William Lane Craig thinks that's just a myth. Here is Craig in his own words. Okay. Biblically speaking, I think what really surprised me was the plausibility of analyzing the literary genre or type of Genesis chapters 1 to 11 as something called mytho-history. This is a term that was coined by the great Assyriologist uh, uh, Torquilt Jakobsen. And it characterizes a narrative that does concern actual historical events, but which are told in the figurative language of myth. And I think there are very persuasive reasons to think that Genesis 1 to 11 belongs to this genre of mytho-history, and that therefore it's a mistake to take it as a literalistic historical narrative. Now, William Lane Craig, in case you aren't familiar, he is an apologist. He's more of a philosopher. He's not really a good Bible teacher. Uh, Well. (laughs) Even when I listened to him a lot back in the day, when I was really intrigued by Christian apologetics and things like that, even I recognized this is not who I listen to for biblical theology. He might be able to argue with... Biblically speaking? Yeah, biblically. You're right. (laughs) The way he started that. Biblically speaking, I deny the historical Adam. Uh, yeah, Yeah. Can't do that. What does the scripture say? Well, Jesus referred to Adam as a historical person. Yes. He referred to Genesis 1 through 11 something like two dozen times Mm -hmm. in the Gospels. So Jesus considers the first 11 chapters of the Pentateuch, of the Torah... He considers that to be biblical history, Mm -hmm. actual history, that Adam is really a man. If you deny the historical Adam, then you run into a bunch of other problems because Paul says in Romans and in 1 Corinthians that it's from Adam came death because Mm -hmm. of the first sin, death came into the world. Right. So if Adam did not exist and there was not a first sin then death just always has been. Therefore, death is not actually a consequence of sin. Mm. And, I mean, what's what's really the big deal about death then? Right. There's all kinds of theological problems yeah. you run into denying the historical Adam. Consider these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20. But in fact, but in fact, 
Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. By a man came death. That's Adam. That's Adam. By a man has come the resurrection of the dead. That's the second Adam. That's Christ. That's Christ. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die. Everyone who is born of Adam dies. If you remain in Adam, you die. You perish Uh under the judgment of God. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. All who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Not just everybody, because then you come into universalism. Right. So as in Adam, everybody who is in Adam dies. Everyone who is in Christ shall be made alive. Verse 23. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hmm. So death came into the world from Adam, Mm -hmm. and death continues until Christ returns when he will destroy death once and for all. The Hmm. last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is an enemy. As I heard Vody Bauckham say recently, death is always an enemy, never a friend. Hmm. Like we, we sometimes we celebrate death as oh well they've been set free and there is a sense in which we understand to be away from the body is to be in the presence of God right so absolutely and that we rejoice in but we still mourn over death because it's the result of sin and it's we're a, separated that's right yeah it's a bad thing we want death to go away yes that's that's what we're looking for in the eternal kingdom that we will enter into with Christ forever. So, uh, yeah, I guess I've shared my thoughts there. The question was, what are my thoughts about William Lane Craig's opinion on the historical Adam? There you go. There you go. He's denying real biblical history mm-hmm. in Genesis 1 through 11. Like, there's nothing about Genesis 1 through 11 that even separates that out from 12 through 50. Yeah. There's nothing about those first 11 chapters that even looks remotely different from the rest of the book. I mean, you, it, it's not even that... There's miraculous things that happen there, but not in the rest of Genesis. Plenty of miracles happen in the rest of Genesis. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have Sarah, who's barren, who's yeah. given a son, is physically incapable of having children. And yet God gives her Isaac. For as it says in Romans chapter four, he causes things to come into existence that do not exist. So Amen. he gave this barren woman a son as a mm-hmm. foreshadowing of the Christ, the promised seed who was to come. Right. Which is even the greater miracle. Isn't it like, um, I don't know if it's throughout the Bible, but I know it's through Jesus's parables that whenever uh, a name is used, like a specific name, that it is real. And then if it's just a man or a woman, right. then it's a parable or a story. Yeah, right. You're thinking of like, so when Jesus is giving his parables, nobody's ever named in those parables. Right. When you read about the rich man and Lazarus, Yes. In the Gospel of Luke. It is a real rich man. Yeah, that's right. They're, it's a real person. These are real people we're talking because about. Because you have Lazarus' name. Lazarus's name is mentioned, yes. Yeah. So Jesus, who came from heaven, who certainly knows what goes on in the heavenly places, right. is able to tell us this story right. about Lazarus dying and going and being in Abraham's bosom, mm-hmm. and then the rich man going to a place of torment and having that exchange across the chasm there the way that they do. Right. And Jesus saying, or recalling what Abraham's words were to the rich man there, Mm -hmm. Jesus said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe if someone should rise from the dead. Right. So if William Lane Craig thinks that Genesis 1 through 11 is impossible to understand, well, neither will a person believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Very true. This goes back to the dilemma, the the dilemma we've been having the last several years with Andy Stanley Mm. saying, you don't need to believe the rest of the Bible, just that a man should rise from the dead. Jesus already responded to that. Yes, he did. (laughs) And incidentally, uh, William Lane Craig has also defended Andy Stanley, but I know that's no surprise. All right. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's go to the next question. And, And since we're talking about resurrection here, this question comes from Buddy because he had a question about resurrection. Okay. All right, I'm Buddy from Maryland, and this is the question. So during the conference, Vody Bauckham said this line. He said, Jesus Christ is the only one that has been resurrected 
from the dead or resurrected is specifically what he said. He mentioned then Lazarus, Lazarus being raised from the dead. And how do you how do you make that make sense? Obviously, you know, he said it and it's probably controversial. But what does that mean that Jesus Christ is the only one that has been resurrected? Okay, I did not hear Vody's exact comment, mm-hmm. but what Buddy is getting at is Vody saying that Christ is the only one who has been resurrected. Mm-hmm. Lazarus was not really resurrected. So how can we say that only Christ is resurrected and Lazarus was not? Mm-hmm. Well, because Christ is the only one who has been raised who will never die again. Ah, I see. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, he wasn't truly resurrected. Because he would die again. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he would go back into the grave. Right. (laughs) You know, he was dead for four days. Christ told him to come out. He was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. But it was not resurrection in the sense that we have a resurrection body. So coming back again to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, Paul says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. You don't even get to ask that question. Paul will call you a fool. (laughs) What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind. The glory of the earthly is another. another. There is one glory of the sun, another for the moon, another for the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Hmm. Lazarus's body was not raised imperishable. Right. He was That's raised true. he was raised from the dead that you would see that Christ had the authority and the power to raise the dead. Mm-hmm. But it was not resurrection. It wasn't resurrection body. Right. Because he would die again and then the day is going to come when Lazarus he gets to be the one to say, "Hey, I've been through this." Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Here we go. Yeah, that's right. Watch this guys. This is going to be fun. <laughs> So it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, we come back to historical Adam again. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. Paul speaking quite plainly about Adam being a a historical Adam. Right. I mean, if he if he was a myth, this doesn't matter. This doesn't make any sense. Right. If Adam was not real, why should we believe anything that Paul is saying here about Christ is real? I, I don't get it. It's nonsense. That uh, yeah, going to William Lane Craig's comment again is just other utter nonsense. Yeah. Borderline heresy. I'm going to sit with that. I'm not going to <laughs> not going to go on saying what I really want to say. But anyway. Okay, moving moving back. Moving on. Yes. Uh, just as we are born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Verse 49. So there you go. There's an answer to your question, buddy. And by the way, buddy is my Friday follow. He asked me if I would give a recommendation to follow buddy on Twitter. So if you have Twitter, <laughs> you're looking up Buddy Boone. Awesome. Spock Jenkins at Buddy Boone. Follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. Good man. Enjoyed talking to him at G3. All right. Next question. Let's get to the next one here. All right. All right, I'm uh, Matthew Brodor from uh, Southern California, Costa Mesa, California. And my question is, why is Daniel one, if not the only Old Testament character who does not have any sins revealed in the scriptures that kind of talk about him? There is a really good answer to that question. Okay. And I have no idea what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the focus of his story. It wasn't uh, of Daniel's story. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why are there no sins mentioned about Daniel in the book of Daniel? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's relevance to that or not. I mean, all the other sins were covered in the other stories. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just repeat. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point that all the other prophets yeah. are kind of revealed as being uh, just... flawed in some way, but not Daniel. Yeah. So if there's a reason for that, I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Now, while I was... We'll know in heaven. Yeah. What, when we get to heaven... We when, can ask that question. When we're in these resurrected bodies... Yes. <laughs> we'll get to ask for the answer to that question. But yeah, I couldn't give you anything. Good question. You stumped me on that one. Uh, this, uh, this, this next one. So while I'm standing there at the booth here at G3, I got visited by a celebrity pastor. Oh. Are you ready for this? Sure. A very well-known pastor came by just to talk to me at the what booth at G3. Here we go. My name is Stephen J. Lawson, all right? I have a question I've never understood the answer to, all Steve right? Stephen Lawson doesn't I, understand? I, I don't. I, there are some things I don't know the answer to. Uh, I mean, very little, but but definitely some. Uh, so one of the questions I have is uh, about clothing. I mean, look, it doesn't apply to me because I'm clothed with Brooks Brothers, uh, all right? I'm the nicest clothed man. When Jesus says that Solomon wasn't clothed, clothed like he clothes the flowers of the field. He he didn't realize that I'm clothed even better than the flowers of the field. Okay? Because uh the, the clothes that I buy are so nice. Uh, I, I mean, they're just the best. I get, I get upgraded on airplanes. When people see me, they, they automatically make me in first class. I, I don't even have to ask for it. All right? <laughs> I'm an idiot, bro. I'm that sorry. That's the best. How do you like that? That was interesting. <laughs> Uh, so that was David doing a, a Stephen Lawson impression. Now, David, you probably don't realize, but you hear his name at the very beginning of every Martin Lloyd-Jones sermon that you've probably listened to. Ah. So the guy that introduces the Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, mm. you're listening to a sermon from the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. You know, that, yeah. that voice, that's him. Okay. That's this guy. That's so funny. So he has a really funny uh, Steve Lawson impression <laughs> and a good story to go along with that, too. Okay. Okay, listen to this part. Dude, he heard me once do that. Yeah. Because right? I, I was a student at Masters, and, like, some of the other students knew I could do a pretty good Lawson. I could do a pretty good Lawson. <laughs> so they are like, oh, why don't you order at Grace Grill, you know, in Lawson's voice. I'd like a burger, please, <laughs> with fries and, and extra cheese on them, you know? And uh, so, <laughs> so, so I ordered it. They were all laughing, and then literally they stopped laughing, bro. And I was like, he's, de- he's definitely standing behind me right now, isn't he? And sure enough, dude, Steve Lawson's standing there like this. And he looks at me, and he's like, David, that's the first time I ever understood a single thing you ever said. <laughs> it was a lot of fun talking to that guy. <laughs> uh, so he even, uh, he really did have a question. Uh, that was awesome. Here's more of David All right. asking his question. Jesus is talking about not worrying. He says in Matthew 6, 28, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So my question is, why did Jesus phrase it that way? Um, What exactly is he saying? Is he saying that God clothes the grass better than he clothes Solomon, which is a human, and then using that to say God will clothe you, humans, because he clothes the grass of the field. It's just an interesting way to phrase it. Of course, Jesus knows everything. He always says the right things. I've just never been able to understand that. So how about it? You got any insight on that one? Nope. (laughs) Here's the statement again. So it's in Matthew 6, verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he phrases it as the lilies of the field are more beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. Than even Solomon in all his glory. Why does Jesus phrase it that way? Because God created them? Well, God created Solomon and gave him all of his wealth and riches, too. I know, but he created the lilies. 
to be that way. Right. Yes. And then Solomon, yes, God gave him those things, but he didn't literally create those things. They were man-made. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. So all of all of the splendor that Solomon had was man-made. Right. Right. And okay. man-made is obviously fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, okay, you're you're so. getting closer there. You're <laughs> on to right. something. All right. What was Solomon's end? How did he conclude his life? All that we know about the conclusion of Solomon's reign is that he was building high places to false gods. Ah. God said, I won't tear your kingdom from you in your lifetime, but it will happen in your son's lifetime. Mm -hmm. As a result of Solomon building temples to his pagan wives, false gods. To appease the wives. So he was not arrayed in glory like the grass of the field Mm. because of what happened to Solomon. There's also something else to that as well. Remember in Ecclesiastes, what did Solomon say when he looked out over all that he had? He could look as far as from the, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. All that he possessed, that God had given to him, the entire kingdom. And what was Solomon's statement about everything that was before him? It's all, it's all vanity. Ah. It's all nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So Solomon, all his glory and everything that he had, ultimately did not mean anything. It was empty. It did not bring him any satisfaction. So yeah. as Jesus is talking here in Matthew 6 about the things you are anxious for. Why are you anxious about clothing? Why are you anxious about food? Jesus is saying all the things that you're after on this earth are never going to satisfy you anyway. Right. True. And so ultimately, what does he say in verse 33? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all the things you need, which God knows that you need, will be added to you as well. God loves you. He cares for the lilies of the field. He cares for the birds of the air. He feeds and clothes them. Will he not also feed and clothe you, O you of little faith? Mm. So we know through these things that God loves us. What should we be after first and foremost? Not the things of this world, but the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. Amen. There you go. Great question, David. I loved being able to answer it, too. And hearing from Steve Lawson. (laughs) All right, next question. Hi, my name's Kadeem Green. I'm from Decatur, Georgia. Uh, My question is, does the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, or the law as it was given to Israel, does that apply for believers today? Should we still obey the moral law of God today in 2021? So how about it? Do we obey the law of God today? Of course. (laughs) Yes. Well, in Romans chapter 3, after Paul has made the statement that we're justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, at the conclusion of Romans 3, he says, so do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Mm -hmm. We could not keep the law in any way that was pleasing to God prior to the righteousness of Christ that we've been given. Right. But now we are able to obey God in such a way that is pleasing unto the Lord because we have the the finished righteousness of Christ. In Matthew 22, 34, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, there was a lawyer among the Pharisees who said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What do we see in those two commandments? The first commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the first table of the law, the first four of the Ten Commandments. Those commands that have to do with our relationship with God. The second commandment, Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second table of the law. The next six commandments, they have to do with man's relationship with man. And so what Jesus was saying in responding to this lawyer's question is all of it. It's all important. Right. (laughs) He just summarized it. That's right. You love God. You love one another. And you're you're fulfilling. You are doing the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. Romans 13, the apostle Paul said, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if we love God and we love others, then we're doing what the law requires. Mm -hmm. 
we will not have the law held against us, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, for the law is laid down for the unjust, Mm -hmm. but we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're not going to be judged by the law. We keep the law when we love God and we love one another. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what the Ten Commandments point us to, that we are to love God and love each other. If you ever go through catechism, so pull up your Baptist catechism and go through that, uh, part of the catechism questions will be, what is the requirement of the first commandment? What's the requirement of the second commandment? You know, we've done that with our kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, a requirement of thou shalt not murder, as Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, is love one another. Right. If you love each other, you're not murdering each other. Right. That's the fulfillment of the law. thinking the thoughts. Yeah, or, yeah, or thinking hateful thoughts towards your neighbor. Yes. Exactly. Which, by the way, as we bring this to a conclusion today, that reminds me of something. Oh. So the last time you were on the program, mm-hmm. we talked about catechism. Yes. Remember, I presented like 10 super easy catechism questions for kids. Oh, yeah. Uh Remember that? You have not been on since then. No, I haven't. (laughs) Because of this little one she's holding in her arms right here. Yeah. Who is starting to squirm. He is. So we're having to wrap this up here before he starts to wail. <laughs> he's just what squirming. right? wants to hear. Yeah. Right now he's just squirming. Soon he'll start screaming. So anyway. Uh, but what, what I forgot to mention when we were going through those catechism questions is the new book that has come out from Paul Cox of Reftunes. Mm-hmm. He has just released the Baptist Catechism <laughs> Illustrated. There he goes. <laughs> we we almost made it. We almost, we almost got there. Almost. <laughs> almost there, it's little okay. guy. It's okay. Almost there. <laughs> so for your little ones who can understand a little bit better than your infants, we have the the Baptist Catechism, Illustrated Baptist Catechism. Check it out at reftunes.com. He said that he can't color yet. <laughs> we also got some coloring books for our kids from Reftunes as well. I think that's it. I think he's telling us we got to be done. Yeah, I think so. All righty. He's not. Sometimes I can get him to stop, but I don't know. All right, quick prayer. We'll wrap this up. Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the blessing of children. Thank you for your word. And may we have a spirit that is able to understand what it is that you have to say according to your word. And whatever we don't understand, we turn to trusted persons who are able to teach us the word of Christ exactly how it is to be understood. By the, by the working of the Holy Spirit that is within us, that we may discern spiritual things. Thank you for the salvation that we've been given in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.